With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Zach on Film. Joining us like always, Steven Schleicher. Hello, Zach. Hello, Steven. And we have a very special guest this week. All the way across the internet is Rodrigo Lopez. Hey guys. Welcome back, Rodrigo. Oh, thanks. What have you been doing? You've been watching a lot of good movies? Um, I've been trying, uh, cause you guys did uh Man did you do Man with the Iron Fist? That's next and week. Not yet. Next week, okay. And uh what about Flying Guillotine? We did that last <laughs> yeah, week. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been I've been trying, I've been seriously trying to watch the Zach on film movies ahead of time, but it's just like something like hilarious or catastrophic keeps happening <laughs> to prevent me from getting in on all the kung fu action. Uh-huh. So finally, because this is like actually on Netflix and Netflix is like the most reliable streaming source I have, mm-hmm. like I was I was finally able to to get in on this. Yeah, very excited as we continue our dive into Kung Fu as we look at uh, the final. So much items. of a dive as so much as we're skimming a, the a surface, skim, a skim, yeah. a slight uh, like throwing a rock at a lake. Yeah, kind of, kind of like that, like that. Yeah. kind of like that as mm-hmm. we watch. Five Deadly Venoms. Five, five no, Deadly I was called, Venoms. Yeah, five Deadly Venoms. Or Five Venoms, depends. Right. Uh, I think originally it was supposed to be uh, Five Venoms, and then they added the Five Deadly. In fact, I think it had a totally different name in um, in the, the native uh, native land. Oh, yes. In, I in saw, Chinese. Like Shaolin Venom or something. Yeah. And then here in America, because they were trying to kind of reinvigorate the 70s kung fu genre. Uh, they added the five deadly venoms in there, so it made it sound like it was scary and that these guys were going to kill you because they're deadly and you don't want to get bit by a centipede or a toad, which is no. one of the venoms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the idea of the five deadly venoms is there was an old master mm-hmm. and he is on his deathbed and he has a new pupil and he has, well, like a moment of of epiphany of conscious thinking that five of the students that he have trained could possibly be using their talents for evil. Well, and it's kind of implied that, hey, I trained you guys to do evil things. Oh, now I'm dead and now I'm dying. And I want to make sure that they're really not doing that and then going to come and and try to steal my fortune after I'm dead. Yeah. Well, because, well, first I want to say this story is kind of confusing and uh, and not uh, totally the point of this, this incredible Kung Fu movie. Okay. Uh, because there's another guy who they go and five of the Venoms, two of them murder him because mm-hmm. he has a lot of money mm-hmm. and I think he was like a part of their gang, right? Right. And he was like an old, 
old timer in the gang and yep. he has all the money and he's all the wealth and now these young animal whippersnappers are going to try to take it from him. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much the idea, right? Yeah. And he's like, yeah. hey, yep. new pupil, please uh, stop this or figure it out. Yes. I, I've been training you for three years. Go out and defeat these five other guys who I've been training for 25 <laughs> years and who have mastered their skills and no one knows what they look like because they've all worn masks during their training. Except for you, pupil. You have to go out into the town and find them and take them down and hopefully they're not all evil. Yes, and which there are many a great uh, fighting sequences uh, right at the beginning of the movie as we get introduced to the five deadly venoms because we mm-hmm. have centipede, mm-hmm. snake, mm-hmm. scorpion, yep. toad, yeah, and lizard. lizard. Yep, yeah. Each can kung fu in their own way. They do, and uh, they break a lot of bowls and sticks in a in a great <laughs> sequence showcasing all of their many talents. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's a it's a some I think the AV Club when the Five Daily Venoms came out on DVD in mm-hmm. 2009 pretty much considered it the best part of the movie. I would kind of challenge that, but uh, there is a lot of kung fu slow mo action right up front to kind of get you hooked in before we get lost in a lot of intrigue. Is there is it? Would you agree with that assessment there, Rodrigo? That it's the best part of the movie. Yeah, it's definitely what got me hooked into the movie. Like. um you know, it like opens up and it's like uh, it's old and, and and I'll get into why old Kung Fu movies aren't necessarily uniformly great. But, um, you know, it, like it looks a little older and, uh, and like, OK, yeah, old master since young pupil, blah, blah, blah. And it's like there are five of them. Now, here they are, each one of them doing their <laughs> wacky thing. And I'm like, up, oh, I'm in. <laughs> Especially like, the uh, centipede when he's uh, all the plates are falling down and he's just like yep. waving his arms. <laughs> I don't think he's really doing kung fu when he's breaking those plates. And I believe. Oh yeah, he's. It's it's just great. Like all of it is like those shots are also I feel held for like way too long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just see this guy like breaking plate after plate after plate after plate, and it's like the lizard like climbs up a wall and extinguishes some candles. And climbs up another wall and extinguishes some candles and more <laughs> candles. And here's more candles. Take that, candles. Thank goodness they don't have to fight candles in this movie. Oh, they would yeah. not survive. Candles out in an instant with the lizard around. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is a. You, you mentioned how long that sequence is and kind of gratuitous they make some of those shots, which is interesting because the film is relatively short. By modern standards, uh, I don't know what average film length uh, back in the 70s was, but this is runs, I think, less than 100 minutes. I think it's about an hour and a half. Yeah. So pretty tight. And then you think about how long the introduction of our, our five Venoms are and then the ending sequence between most of those Venoms. Uh, that's like a good third of the movie. Almost, oh, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. uh, those are two pretty long. Well, sequences. even when you get to the end of the movie, it's like, OK, we've killed him. Let's go. Bum, 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 bum. Credits. Oh, yeah. There's no uh, we're actually going to go find the treasure. It's like, let's look at this map. Oh, we clearly know where this is. We will find the money right. now, which I guess kind of sets is trying to set it up for. Hey, there may be more of this stuff mm. down the line. And I do believe that there is a sequel to this. That is out there on the Netflix that you can check out. Oh, really? I think so, yeah. Was it called, like, The Last Standing Venom? Probably. Mm. I'd have to go look. Mm. 
list of the Dragon Dynasty films. Let's see. So, Rodrigo, after we get our nice uh, training sequence of the Venoms, we get into a lot of uh, guessing at people among this town who are probably the Venoms, and there's some shady deals with judges, and people finally kill a family. Uh, where do you fall on the importance of this in this kind of movie? And uh, was this the strong suit of the film? Uh, it It is... It's pretty interesting because it's it's almost like you jumped genres mm-hmm. uh, at this point. It goes from like it goes like seventies kung fu movie, you know, mm-hmm. and then like you immediately go into this weird mystery where you're not trying. It's not a who done it yet because by the time the murder happens, you know who at least two of these guys are. Um, it's like a who's anybody. It's mm-hmm. like playing. It's like you know that game where you flip down the, the the faces. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Guess who? Yeah. Think. yeah. Um. It's like uh, is, is he a deadly kung fu master? Flip, flip, flip. Um. It it it's weirdly slow, but also kind of interesting. Um. Especially because it is slow, so you're like, mm-hmm. I think this guy's this guy. And then it's like two of them get revealed, then one of them gets revealed, and you're pretty sure you know that like the constable is like the like the wacky constable is like one of them, but you're not sure which one until one another one's revealed, and it's like, well, by elimination it's gonna be this one, then he finally tells you. So I mean there is it was interesting to see how they were sort of slowly revealed. Mm-hmm. I think uh, you know, one of the things that pops up again and again and again in in uh, the Asian cinema is corrupt officials. Uh, we saw it with oh, flying yeah. guillotine. We saw it again here. Um, and we see abuse of power a lot in this. Uh, I think we see the trope of the old, uh, the old master, the white haired master. Uh, and then the clown character is the, um, is the kid that gets sent out to the world to mm-hmm. go and find these guys. And he's just kind of like, you know, silly throughout the piece. Um, so I think there's a lot of, of tropes that appear in here that are kind of cemented and are the reasons why people like this film as one of the Shaw brothers, maybe not the best, but it always ranks up there as one of the um, more talked about Shaw brothers film, especially when we get into uh, Riza and the Wu-Tang clan, because they love this film. Yeah. I was in, I was, uh, doing more reading on this film before I came over and then I was in a thread of people and literally the comments was just Wu-Tang Clan mm-hmm. and everyone was just saying it forever like th- threads to the bottom of the page <laughs> uh, so then I finally like alright I know the Wu-Tang they love them some Kung Fu let's look it up really quick and I think it's an official Wu-Tang song uh, but I can only find it on YouTube where it's essentially they just dropped beats and some like a few scattered bars and the in, <laughs> over an entire sample of introducing the five venoms. Oh, that's cool. And so it's all of the plate cracking, mm-hmm. all of them whacking some wood, bad phrase, and then <laughs> uh, and they just like randomly say their names, say some bars, and they're out. Right, and right. so uh, that was really interesting. I couldn't find anything more in my quick dive 
uh, I did see that what their '93 album is called Thirty Six Chambers, which right. is apparently is a pretty famous kung fu yep. movie. People were talking about online yep. as well. Uh, but yeah, it is really interesting. And now I have to like find more Wu Tang because on Spotify I think they only have like five albums, and I I'm pretty sure there's no way that's close to right because there's a jump mm-hmm. between. 93 and 2000 where there's uh, nothing so that doesn't seem right at all uh so there's probably like a hidden five deadly venoms wu-tang album oh, yeah. that i don't even know of yeah hopefully like some medical bro didn't buy it and no one gets to listen to it now yet. <laughs> i had put up in our uh, google docs and i'll share that with everybody mm-hmm. um the kung fu craze of the 70s but then there's also um where the Wu-Tang Clan is talking about, hey, these are our, this is why mm-hmm. we love the martial arts films. That's what it means to us. Here's how it influenced all of our work. And and it's just nothing but, you know, 20 different fight scenes all strung together yeah. with them talking in between about why they like it. And as we look at the five Venoms and we see what's cool about it, maybe what's not so cool about it, but why it influences everyone, then you see why that and why and how that influences Man with the Iron Fist, which we'll mm. be talking about next week. And I think when you listen to them talking about it in the 80s and then, you know, me being a kid of the of the 80s as well, when when VHS came around. It opened up a whole new world of stuff, right? I mean, you had um, you had your Suncoast video stores where you would go in and you'd buy a membership and you could get access to, you know, these higher class films. But then as the 80s started to progress and you got into like 85, 86, you had like small mom and pop video stores open up and you had little little corner places open up that maybe not so so up on the level uh, mm-hmm. dealing, uh, you know, legal VHS uh, copies of stuff. But you could find some of the craziest stuff. And, you know, whether it be... Um, Oh, now it slipped my mind. The one with the uh, faces of death. You know, everybody in oh. in high school is talking about faces of death yeah. and how that was the greatest thing. And they only were made aware of that because of VHS uh, films. Same way with uh, while we couldn't always watch every Kung Fu movie ever made that was brought into the United States in the 70s and the early 80s because the UHF stations only could do so much and we didn't have dedicated ca- uh, cable channels of of uh, martial arts uh, films, VHS would be the way to do it. So, you know, and it, a good introduction and a good education on horror films, kung fu films, uh, uh, cult classic films that we would, you know, uh, call them today. You only got them because you were diving into that dark corner of the the VHS store of, of the video rental store and coming away with these this weird stuff and then sitting down with your friends and then just you know, staying up after uh, uh, Friday night videos was over and uh, and watching that stuff until two in the morning. So, you know, I can I can really see why. You know, while why you may not have access to a complete library, even having access to 20 films mm-hmm. is more than what you would get on a Saturday afternoon local broadcast channel. Uh, so that that's a big difference in how that influences the people who got into this uh, quite a bit. Mm. Rodrigo, did you watch a lot of Kung Fu when you were growing up? Uh, I did whenever I could, but it was sometimes pretty difficult to find. Um, just, you know, whenever it was uh, playing on TV or if, yeah, if I could uh, sneak a rental past my parents, because my parents were pretty, you know, standard, like, hey, let's not watch super violent stuff where <laughs> people's heads explode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so whenever I could, I did. Yeah, this is not uh, something I watched at all. 
growing up? Well, no, because I don't think you would because, you know, you're a baby of the Internet. Uh, You were born after the Internet was already entrenched. And by the time you were in high school, YouTube was already out there. And so if you think about where you're at today and you look at at like my kids and your kids Mm -hmm. as they grow up, YouTube's already been around for forever and they get more of their stuff now from watching YouTube mm-hmm. or, you know, some weird, you know, I don't know what, what else is there besides YouTube, Vimeo or something like that. Crunchyroll. Um, but, uh, you know, they're finding their weird version of the world mm-hmm. on YouTube now. And I imagine for you is probably, you know, uh, probably more cable TV offerings for you. Now, Rodrigo falls into that as well. And me, too, to an extent. But uh for me, it was VHS, mm-hmm. some HBO. Uh, for you guys, it's it's the internet generation of we have things on YouTube and we can find some crazy stuff. If you go and look on YouTube, you will find stuff that totally gets people off the way that 70s Kung Fu films got the Wu-Tang Clan off and, in, and influenced RZA enough to go out and do Man with the Iron Fist and Man with the Iron Fist 2. Thank mm-hmm. God we're not going to review that movie. <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, I think that that's that's what's happening right now. Mm. What were you going to say, Rodrigo? Well, I, I mean, there's now a bunch of kung fu stuff on Netflix, so mm-hmm. yeah, this really does open the door for a new generation to get into old punch 'em up type uh, entertainment. Um, and I, I think for me, and probably for Zach as well. The the biggest issue was the gatekeepers. You know, it's mm-hmm. like kung fu movies. I think especially when Zach was young, the only kung fu movies that really saw any sort of release were like big prestige yeah. movies. Yeah. Like Crouching Tiger, Hidden mm-hmm. Dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody was like, oh, yeah, great. That's it. You know, it's like then a few years later, Hero comes along mm-hmm. with the strength to carry on, I guess. Um, and, uh, that's it for a while. You know, you only get, um, either these very, uh, kind of, um, these very specific, very tightly released movies, or you do get some Asian actors, um, coming to the U.S. and doing their thing like Jackie Chan Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and like Jet Li. And all of these guys who um, then get added to American movies. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than specific guys like Jet Li and Jackie Chan, Chow Yun Fat, all of these guys that do manage to pull their movies into the U.S., um, you see very little uh, right. like kung fu cinema. And, and, and this sort of like flying sword type movie continues to be made in uh hong kong and Mm -hmm. in china um but we rarely see any right and as i was saying last week um you know occasionally we would have our uhf channel would have a kung fu movie on but nothing that would get too overly violent or else it was cut out right like we would never see uh, flying guillotine but (laughs) deadly venoms we would probably see yeah, I think um, were, that, I, the violence here, I mean, the difference between someone being beheaded and someone <laughs> being uh, put into an Iron Maiden are quite a bit different in their in their violent structure. Um, you, and, and again, you're right, Rodrigo, unless you have somebody that is saying, hey, we need to watch these films or, hey, Zach, you need to be educated on on this stuff. 
you're never going to see it. So even when I was in California, uh, I had a good friend, Dave, who was just like totally into all this stuff. And he was like, oh, man, uh, there's a you know, he would either import his movies directly from China, from Hong mm-hmm. Kong. And so we got some, you know, stuff comes up and wrapped in in paper with uh, like straw inside of it for the packaging and stuff. And it'd come and that would be, you know, like five movies that we got from from China. Or if you went into Chinatown, you could often find. And I know that in Lawrence, there's at least one Asian market where you can go in and you can buy a lot of those movies. But you have to know about that stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. You have to be told where it is or you have to be introduced to it and said, but and say, Zach, here's where you can go get these DVDs or you can rent them or whatever. Today, thanks to the Internet and Netflix and YouTube and whatever, you're right, Rodrigo, a whole new generation of people are being able to uh, introduce to this stuff and are are able to access this stuff. Question that I have, though, is. Are they interested in and this is my argument since even before Zach on film began, are they interested in this? Because. I can. Show my kids the new Spider-Man Homecoming movie. And they'll be like, yeah, this is really cool. But then I'm like, hey, how about we go and watch the very first Spider-Man movie from, you know, 2000? Yeah. And they look at it and go, man, this is boring. And yeah. and as Zach said, this movie is Five Venoms, Five Deadly Venoms is very slow. It's very plotting. It is confusing in parts. And the Kung Fu action, when you watch it, is rather tame compared to stuff we see today. So I wonder That's if people cool. are interested in some of this classic stuff or if they'd rather just see you know, UFC type uh, fighting. uh, And that is what, that's what they're into. Yeah. There's definitely the age thing. So that's just a barrier that you have to overcome slowly Mm -hmm. and work your way back and understand, like you have to start with the best of the best of like every decade. And then you have to start drilling down. Well, I mean, just like that's, how we went about this right it's like we were like we're gonna watch movies from the 20s but it's gonna be like the best movie that ever Uh came out in the 20s and right. then we'll like right. now we're into like shaw brothers top 10 films from the 70s which are like not exactly winning uh oscars in america by any stretch of imagination you know what i mean it's not like this is not what we started with when we started this show. So it took a while to get to this point. Right. Uh, so that's like a long, it takes a long time possibly to get into this position. But I will say the, the thing that is nice about YouTube now is you can watch all of these like really incredible fight scenes. Cause oh, yeah. I, I think the, the fight scenes, especially the end of this thing are really, really good. Mm-hmm. You can watch them all on YouTube because people will cut them out and then just paste them there. So you don't have to watch an hour and a half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could probably get hooked with 10 minutes and then dive down deep into oh, YouTube yeah. and watch them forever. Like and I then said, if you, you watch could circle that, back and watch whole films. If you watch like that, that Wu-Tang Clan yeah. video, uh, it's about an hour long. It's, it's nothing but fight scenes. It's like the best of the best fight scenes right. that are in this. So you could just watch this and go, oh, so this is what it's about. And you and and to be honest, I think that movies that came out in this post Kung Fu era of Bruce Lee has just died kind of stuff. And the things that led into um, Kung Fu exploitation films mm-hmm. uh, that came out in the in the mid 70s, late 70s, early 80s. I think story is downplayed quite a bit in favor of let's let's find a bridge to get to this next bit big action sequence, which is kind of cool because a lot of big action sequence movies these days is 
let's just uh, have a little bridge and story so we can get to the next big action sequence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there may be some influence there, but that only comes from people that have been around for 40 years. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. Where, do you think there is a, a future of kung fu movies coming with the next generations, Rodrigo? Do you think there's too much stuff for people to wade through to find these old films? Do you think there's going to be like a resurgence? I don't know. I guess that's always my thing when you look to the future of finding these is you kind of have to be looking through it. It's not going to get just randomly put into the trending on YouTube or right in your recommends. It's going to take some like dedicated searching to stumble upon this. I mean, you'd be surprised what makes a resurgence. I I think Kung Fu movies are constantly in a state of like either sinking down to the bottom or surging back to the top. Um, you know, maybe not in 100% the mainstream, but, you know, it's like Kill Bill came out right. and there mm-hmm. were, people were like, Quentin Tarantino, what kind of movies do you like? And then he lists off a giant list and people who love Quentin Tarantino or were like, man, oh man, was Kill Bill a tour of the force of slashing people's faces? <laughs> like, let's go check out these movies. So stuff like that happens. Yeah. yeah. And especially now with sort of like meme culture and I don't know, maybe I'm... It just makes me sound super old to say meme culture. Um, <laughs> but this this idea of like constantly finding funny things, interesting things, weird things, and remixing them to apply them to whatever's happening means that a movie like The Five Deadly Venoms is like just prime meme material, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just because of the, the awkwardness of the dubs sometimes. Um, Oh yeah, the dub in this one is so there's yeah, a there's not, a weird thing. Go go finish your thought and then I'll talk about this weird thing that pops up here. Yeah, so the the potential the potential is always there for kung fu to make a resurgence through new movies, right? They're like, well, punching and kicking is always going to get you eyeballs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's make a new kung fu movie with cool new stars, but also um, this sort of like the, the internet's like constant churning of old stuff to turn it into new stuff um, is something that allows for older movies, older, uh, you know, songs and things like that to, to circle back up into the mainstream. Yeah. So a perfect example of, of why you'll never see these Kung Fu movies go away and why there, why there will be resurgences, not necessarily right out of uh, Chinese cinema or Asian cinema, but, you know, in, in other places, Australia, Pacific Rim, uh, United States kind of stuff, too, is the same reason why when we watched Logan, we were like, oh, here are all these movies that the director used to inspire Logan. Let's watch those. And so we were exposed to a whole bunch of other movies. Uh, you know, Rodrigo had mentioned Quentin Tarantino. That's right. As soon as Kill Bill came out, he's like, here's all the Asian cinema stuff that I ripped, ripped from. Mm-hmm. And he just rattles stuff off. And people are like, oh, I love Quentin Tarantino. Let me go check out this other stuff. So people are going to be exposed to that then. And then they're going to take their influences, just like uh, RZA and then the Wu-Tang, uh, or RZA specifically, took that and created Man with the Iron Fist based on his experiences and Quentin Tarantino's basing his stuff on his experiences. The people that, like you and me, who are then coming into this and saying, oh, look, at here's all these films that inspired them. Now I've seen these films. I've seen what RZA, I've seen what uh, Quentin Tarantino have done. I'm going to go out and do my own thing so you get a new layer of that, mm-hmm. or as Rodrigo calls it, the the meme culture, uh, you know, in this, I, I think there's something oh, memesters, memesters, mm-hmm. darn it. 
Uh, but I think there's something probably more relevant instead of, I don't know, meme culture. Maybe that's the next version of what this is. But you need to go and watch a short m- video. I think it's about an hour long, 45 minutes long, something like that. It's from Kirby Ferguson, and it's called Everything is a Remix. And basically he approaches it, and this is something that was like seven, eight years ago, I think is when he started this. Uh, but he started it from, oh, you know how Led Zeppelin has always been accused of ripping off classic blues artists and these things. And, and he goes into, a, this is what happens in culture, and this is how culture evolves, is because we take something that's cool, we take a little bit of that, we break it off, we twist it, we manipulate it, we create our own thing out of it, and then we present it to the world, and then someone finds that really cool, and then they remix that and make something else out of it, so on and so on and so forth. And I think if you go and watch everything as a remix, that'll kind of maybe also explain or answer your question of will this always be around? And I think the answer is yes, in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that uh, for lack of a better word, film snobbery people yeah. will only want to acknowledge the uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon and the hero type esque movies. And they will turn their noses down on the raid, which I think we watched. Didn't we watch the raid? Uh, that's the one where they're inside the building and kung fu fighting all the way up into up and down the yeah, and like it's the it's the mobs yeah mm-hmm. building mm-hmm. yeah we watch that then we watch it okay yeah. so you know and they'll turn their noses down on that or they'll turn their noses down on things like what the Shaw brothers were doing. Mm. I don't think, and maybe our listeners will have a better different opinion on this, but I don't think the Shaw brothers were trying to create high quality Renaissance era kung fu movies. They were like. Well, let's make a buck. Let's make a thousand movies. Yeah. Well, and and I think they knew the audience that they were going after. Right. Exactly. And there's nothing wrong you know, with it's that. Like, I mean, you could say the same thing about like Aqua Teen Hunger Force, mm-hmm. right? It's like, how expensive do you think it was to produce a single episode of Aqua Teen Hunger Force? Probably pretty cheap for animation. Yeah. Um, and but they knew right who they were going for, and that show was actually very successful. You mm-hmm. know despite airing at, you know, at 1230 at night. Um, because, again, that's who they were shooting for. So I think these movies, um, you know, they're not, you're not going to get those shots of, like, a single droplet of water, fly, probably because they didn't have the technology back then. But, you know, or, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. a gloriously shot sunset in the best possible film stock, because that's not what people are there to see. Mm-hmm. There is, though... A possibility, depending on how you look at it, for real art in these, you know, kind of super quickly produced, like, single soundstage kind of movies. Um, you just have to you just have to basically watch enough of them to start appreciating what the creators are doing and what is innovative, what is interesting, what is artful, you know, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because for this movie, while I don't think the cinematography is noteworthy of, of really no, I don't any, think so. any sequence. And, and, and as Rodrigo said, the editing no. needs to be tightened up or could be tightened up. Well, but... I, yeah, I think the editing in the story could be tightened up. But I thought once you get into real fighting action sequences, specifically mm-hmm. the final battle, mm-hmm. I thought the editing for the action was really good. Yeah, but I... My argument would be, I think, if you had audiences watch it now, even that fight, last fight sequence where it's like two-on-two two battles and two-on-one and all yeah. this crazy stuff, 
there would people be like, this is boring because they have become accustomed to this super fast, uh, well, sure, you know, action, right? Um, and I think that that part of that, again, going back to a comment I was making earlier, is that uh, my sons find things boring and slow because they've been born into this world where everything is fast. Yeah. Um, but the first time that they will see something new, whatever that new thing might be, that will then influence people going forward. And in 20 years, they'll be looking at their kids and going, oh, isn't this cool? And they'll be like, oh, dad, that's so slow. And I think yeah. it's just because the, as culture, we've become so used to getting these things done and we want it shorter. We want it faster. We want it more intense. Yeah. It, yeah. Interestingly, though, that's not uniform. It's not like people are only interested in super fast stuff. That's no, 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 true no. for action. Right. But, for example, this movie is like a quarter of the length of most movies that are coming out nowadays, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? It's like, this is a super short movie. This gives you a very, very condensed, somewhat circuitous plot line as yeah. quickly as possible and still plenty of fighting. Um, so it's, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not contesting your point, Steven. I think you're right, but it's not just about speed. It's about sort of like the, like what's fashionable and right. what you get used to at your specific point in time. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, um, you know, there was that like huge switch in like the nineties where all movies turned blue. Right. Yeah. Um, maybe it was prior to the nineties, but it's like, if you go back and watch older movies, it's like, why is everything so orange? Mm -hmm. You know? And it's like, well, it's not, it's actually probably <laughs> closer to life. There's used to like, you sit down to watch a movie and everything's blue. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just like the stuff that we get used to. Right. Yeah. And that's that's what I'm getting at is, is you're used to that. And also, I would argue count the number of fight scenes in this movie or action sequences in Five Deadly Venoms and compare that to what the new hot action film is. Uh, hate, not uh, Fast and the Furious or whatever the baby driver fate, fate of the fate uh, of the yeah. furious. And look at how many action sequences are in that film. And you're going to find that there's probably quadruple. The number of oh, action oh, sequences sure. because people need that. They thrive on that. They need it. The story, not so much, but the action and the driving and the flipping, and the fighting and the, and the explosions and the that's what they want. Whereas, again, this is a I would say that uh, Five Deadly Venoms is a very simple film. It is telling the story of. You know, how do you make amends for corruption that you've let out into the world mm -hmm. and how do you stop that corruption? And. Look at how people keep their secrets to themselves and how they plot and collude. And then at some point it's all going to come to a head. And as this movie shows, the quote unquote good always wins in the end. Very simple. And you don't need to have start to finish nothing but nonstop fight sequences. You can have a thought piece where someone is sitting there and going, why am I being forced to lie and say that I didn't see this person? Oh, because I don't want to lose my own head mm -hmm. in front of the magistrate or the governor or whatever the, the dude's name was. So I think that's a very simple, simple film. Yeah. And it doesn't not, need to have. It's not blowing up heads and right. breaking and, arms every every five. And seconds. even that final sequence, it's not a complicated editing pattern. No, they're doing it's very it is it. Kind of by the numbers where you're doing like a uh, fight, 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 cut away to someone probably watching or mm -hmm. another fight. Mm -hmm. Sure. But then it, 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 they string the actual kung right. fu together. They so like favor the, the, long takes over short sequences. Absolutely. Well, and, and the important thing there is 
um, aside from saving on, you know, just like physically saving time on editing, like actual real world time, not yeah. movie time. Right. Also, it makes sense because the number one resource, the number one resource that this movie has is well-trained martial arts oh, yeah. uh, actors, yeah. Yeah. right? So it's like you give them a wide shot and you watch them just like flip and jump and kick each other um, through these like thoroughly choreographed fight scenes. It's like that's what you have. That's what you want to showcase, right? Mm-hmm. Right. If you have a bunch of like quick little cuts, that could be anybody. You know, you look at a movie like uh, like the Jason Bourne movies and yeah, that's probably Matt Damon doing most of his stunts, but like the amount of like, now we're over here, now we're over here, now we're looking at this fist, now we're looking at this face, now we're looking at this guy's gut, now we're, now he's got punch in the gut, and the camera's shaking. Mm-hmm. Um, the amount of that stuff going on, although it gives you maybe a faster paced action scene, doesn't showcase you know yeah. the 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 choreography of the fight mm-hmm. and, and you might not want it to but it, it's it that's part of the part of the difference there well and also if you look when you look at um um the credits in the kung fu films mm-hmm. even today uh you see or the martial arts film however you want to call them um you will see that the choreographer the fight scene choreographer almost gets as high a billing as the director of the film mm-hmm. because here's the director of the choreography here's right. the director of the film they have to work together but when it comes time to the fighting the director of the film unless he really knows how to stage and uh frame a fight scene he's got to leave that to the choreographer to do that mm-hmm. so yeah there's that is uh, the one of the nice things about the wider shots you do get to showcase the the action and yeah the, the mean, great choreography I, I, as opposed to something like Netflix's Marvel's Iron Fist, where oh, you actually would rather they just <laughs> right. cut the fighting out completely because the, right. the choreography I mean, is poor. That's that's a great example of um, really the opposite of, of using that technique to hide shortcomings in the action. So whereas um, Five Deadly Venoms and, and certainly other films can be guilty of super, super long single take fight scenes that are actually not that interesting but to you know martial arts aficionados and martial artists might showcase how good the choreography is or how good the fighters are even though they're not very visually impressive mm-hmm. um something like iron fist is like doing the opposite right just like crunching everything down as much as possible to prevent you from seeing the flaws in the choreography right yeah as i watched the final sequence i wished i had watched at least that portion of this film before one of our editing assignments way back yeah. when in class when yeah. we did it we we cut together a fight sequence because yeah, that if you was remember pretty... we did a whole thing on fight sequences yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and this one I think matched well with the stuff we were editing because it was mm-hmm. like pretty well trained mm-hmm. fighters that's fighting. why I was looking to see if you know the stuff that we were using was from a paid source uh, that I had brought to class um, I was looking to see if that had been released online for free on YouTube uh, or something. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not seeing it. It. it was like, it was, P- it was uh, FX PhD was the company that oh, was yeah. producing these as, as you know, season long tutorial right. type stuff. And they had like a two or three episode piece in yeah. one of their classes on Corey, uh, you know, doing uh, fight choreography and editing that down and how they would do that using the red camera and everything. And it was, and it's right in line with, you're right, exactly what we're talking about here, yeah. but I don't see that anyone has, 
pirated that online. I probably have yet. some like old, super old hard drive. Took probably probably have the original something. footage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It is. I think it is interesting that we, as uh, like sort of primarily American viewing um, moviegoers, might find this a little slower, or definitely this next generation finding it a little slow, um, because modern action movies kind of come from this. It's mm-hmm. like when when uh, Chinese movies and martial arts movies started making it into the U.S. It was a, like a revelation when you compared right, yeah. it to you know um, I don't know. Burt Lancaster, like hooking, hooking his fingers together and raising them above his head and like hitting a guy in the back. And that whole sequence took like 20 minutes. The like blazing speed of like this movie would would have seen like, whoa, look at those guys. Oh, yeah. No, when uh, I had a friend, Harold, uh, who was much, much older than me, but he was a kid that was a teenager in the 60s when uh, I think when the first wave of the martial arts films were coming to America, and especially when Bruce Lee was first coming to uh, American audiences in his films. And he and his martial arts classes would go down there and they would just fall in love. He would tell me how they would just go nuts over watching a sequence like this because it would just be like, wow, look at that. We've never seen anything like that before. Mm. And yeah, you're absolutely, absolutely right on that, Rodrigo. Yeah, so I kind of expected this movie to not be as good as stuff we've been watching, but would you compare would you say that this is better than flying guillotine? Oh man, flying guillotine is just like so crazy. <laughs> it now remind I, me, is flying guillotine the one that has like the quote unquote Indian guy that like super stretches his like limbs no, no, no. or am I thinking of something? No, oh, flying uh, guillotine is, is the one where you where guillotine. you literally throw a frisbee of blades around somebody's yeah. head, yank a chain and it decapitates them and you you pull it back. Oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there are multiple flying yeah, there guillotine are. movies. There are a bunch yeah. of them. Yeah. Yeah. It the flying guillotine I think strung together the portions of the film between their fighting sequences much better than five venoms did. Mm-hmm. But I think the Ultimately, the fighting sequences in Five Venoms were better because Flying Eighteen essentially came down to throwing a, a disc through the air, right? Because that was the whole gimmick of the film, right? Uh, so, uh, but so it's hard to be like, what's the better viewing experience? I would probably watch Five Guillotine or not Five Five Guillotines, five, guillotines. Five, deadly five, guillotines. five Deadly Guillotines. I would probably watch Flying Guillotine again, uh-huh. but. I would watch certain sequences. <laughs> I would watch the ending sequence of of the Deadly Venoms yeah. again. But I think the I think between the two, you're getting something totally different, right? In Flying Guillotine, you're getting some shock and horror, but you're also getting a solid. I mean, you're getting a solid story here. Um, uh, and like, the shock and horror is a bit of a of a adrenaline rush, right? So you're getting some thrill off of seeing people getting decapitated. Mm-hmm. Five Deadly Venoms is fight scene, fight scene. Here it's a little story bit, more fights. Here are some other so, things, and it's you get that more. I would say Five Deadly Venoms is more your adrenaline rush movie, and your Flying Guillotine is your more, eh, gore. yeah, maybe a little. I wouldn't say gore because the gore in that is just really lame. But um, well, but they were trying. That's yeah, they, they, tried, they, were they tried real yeah. hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it, it's there. It, it serves a different uh, part of the brain, I think. Okay, yeah. What were yeah. you going to say, yeah. Rodrigo? Deadly Venoms uh, also. Um, fits uh, and i don't again i think i i had seen a different flying guillotine movie uh, but a, a big important part of five deadly venoms is this like these 
this like very distinct styles. This is this mm-hmm. guy, this is his style. This is this guy, this is his style. And that's something that we see in a lot of movies. Um, and some movies executed well, and some movies executed poorly. If you've ever seen something like Bloodsport, it's like that's the whole draw <laughs> yeah. of the movie. Right? Yeah. Right. It's like here's a guy who for no reason like is a, like a flamenco dancer. Right. And that's how he fights. You know, so like all of these like big showy differences in a fighting style is something that definitely makes like kung fu movie fans pretty much like melt. That's mm-hmm. what got me into this movie, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you gotta go fight these guys. Each one of them has a different ridiculous style, and I was like, different ridiculous styles. That's what I like. So. I mean, old, I mean, do you still find this movie enjoyable? I do. After watching it, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. 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 I think I, it's, I, I think it, it's yeah. worth your time to oh, watch no, it's it. Totally, especially totally if worth you're your into the movies we've been watching. It's certainly a good time. I would say even if you're not watch it and open oh, yeah, your sure. mind to a new experience of someone slithering on the floor like a snake and <laughs> somebody who's walking up a wall like a lizard. Yeah, I will say they use flashback pretty well yeah, yeah. in this film, which could confu- which was nice because the thing of the snake going on his back and and mm-hmm. doing his thing looked really weird at the beginning, and then it made more sense at the end. Yeah, uh, so that was a, a nice technique they threw in there as well. I was I was thoroughly happy with this movie. I think people should go over to Netflix. You already have the subscription for most likely, and so it's not going to cost you anything uh, to give Five Daily Venoms a shot. So absolutely, go out there and watch it this weekend. Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts? I enjoyed it. Go Venom! Head over to Majorspoilers.com where you can find this podcast posting page and you can give your thoughts on the Five Deadly Venoms or any of the Shaw Brothers films we have watched so far. Uh, and, uh, or you any know, of the Shaw Brothers movies we haven't yeah, watched. Yeah, yeah. There's a What's thousand your favorite? Yeah, there's so many for me to choose from. Uh, while you're there, click on that Amazon.com link where you could probably find weird versions of all your favorite kung fu movies. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe you can stream them. Uh, but buy that movie using that link so a little bit of that money won't go to Jeff Bezos but it'll come to Steven Schleicher and Major Spoilers well it doesn't it goes to Major Major Spoilers spoilers. and then we use it for things like making this show happen and paying our server costs (laughs) and making sure that we can get access to these movies when we need access to these movies. So yes, head over to uh, Majorspoilers.com, click on that Amazon.com link. Every little bit helps. You can also help us out if you found some value in our discussion. uh, Go over to Patreon.com slash Majorspoilers and that's a way you can contribute a little bit every month. Not a whole lot. Less than, you know, way less than the price of a movie ticket, that's for sure. Oh my gosh. Um, And I haven't even, well, Zach, you're going to have to watch finally Friday to find out my latest AMC yeah. theater experience, but certainly less than a cost of a ticket at AMC theaters. You can support us and keep shows like this going for long, long, long times into the future. So that's it for this week's episode of Zach on film. Next week, we're talking man with the iron fist. See you then. This podcast is copyright 2017 by major spoilers, entertainment, LLC.